Leapers. Written and read by TJ Tooley. Part 10. Jessie couldn't breathe. All she could hear was her own heartbeat in her ears. She didn't know what to do. She held Carson as tight as she could, burying her face in his chest. How could her mother have gone missing? She had just been sitting next to her during the ceremony. Somebody must have grabbed her when the lights went out. It was chaos down in the chamber. It would have been the perfect opportunity. We need to find out who did this, she said as she pulled away from Carson and wiped her eyes. She began walking purposely back towards the church where other leapers were starting to leave. Everybody back in the church right now, she screamed. This was met with looks of confusion and concern. If everybody could please go back inside for a few minutes, we are dealing with a time-sensitive emergency, Carson explained calmly. You heard them. Get back downstairs, Carson's father Brandon ordered as he caught up with them. Some of the leapers objected, but slowly they all began descending the stone steps back down to the leapers' meeting space. Many were still gathered on the deck of the ship and were confused by the large group returning. Brandon grabbed Jesse and Carson's shoulders and leaned in close to them so they could hear him. Jesse, go get your grandfather. I will find Bill and the others. Carson, I need you to find Wensler and make the announcement from the upper deck of the ship. Got it? Jesse nodded in agreement. She was scared to leave Carson, but he smiled reassuringly, which helped her feel a little better. She weaved through the crowd, looking for her grandfather, Joseph Beckham II. After several minutes, she found him sitting in a circle of chairs with some of the oldest leapers she knew. She couldn't tell what they were talking about as she approached them, but whatever it was, it was not as important as this. Mom's been taken, she interrupted. Excuse my granddaughter, gentlemen. She apparently still needs to learn her manners. He stood up, grabbed her arm, and half-led, half-pulled her several feet away. It was extremely rude to interrupt like that. Now what are you on about? Joseph demanded. I said mom has been taken, Jesse said, knowing full well how angry she sounded. She no longer cared. Taken? Taken where? Taken like kidnapped? As in gone missing, you self-absorbed jerk? You would know that if you let me talk and actually listen to me for once. She felt all of the rage she had for her grandfather's treatment of her bubbling over. The anger and confusion on his face was something she would have to relish later. When did this happen? he demanded. When the lights went out, apparently, Nigel was attacked and somebody in a hooded robe stole the car with Mom in it. Where is your great-grandmother? he asked. I think everybody is down here now. She followed Joseph as he wove through the crowds towards the leaders. Bill, I need you to- We already know, Joseph. We're taking care of whatever we can here. 
Excuse me, can I have your attention, please? Jessie heard Carson yell into a microphone. Up here, people. She looked at the upper deck of the ship and saw he was standing with her Uncle Wentz. I know it's an inconvenience, but we need to do a head count and take attendance. What's all this about? Everett Gardner yelled. My daughter has gone missing, Joseph yelled over the murmurs of the crowd. And if any of you had something to do with this, you will pay. The headcount and attendance took several minutes. A few leapers had made quick exits after the ceremony and were called back and questioned. Ultimately, it appeared that nobody saw what happened and they had no leads on who the mysterious hooded figure was. Jesse and her grandfather had met with fellow leaper and chief of police Patrick Keller. He gave them advice on how to proceed, including telling them to expect a ransom call soon, given their status and wealth. Back at Beckham Manor, Jessie anxiously paced back and forth in her bedroom. So many scenarios were playing through her head all at once, it was hard to focus on any one thought. She looked over at her bed and saw Carson watching her. She could see the worry in his eyes. He had been reassuring her as much as he could for the last several hours, but they both knew that this was out of their hands. She sat down next to him and laid her head on his shoulder. Thank you for staying here with me, she said as she sniffled. He kissed her head and wrapped his arms around her. I'm not going anywhere. The two sat in silence for a while. At some point, they laid back on her bed, where Carson eventually fell asleep while holding her. After what felt like at least an hour, there was a knock on her door. Carson, Jesse, can I have a word? It was Carson's father, Brandon. Just a minute, Jesse said as she nudged Carson awake. She ran to the door and let Brandon in. What's up? Carson asked as he sat on the foot of the bed. I may have a lead, but I'm worried about what will happen if Joseph or the police get the info first. Jessie was puzzled. What could he have to tell them that her own grandfather would handle differently than she would? I visited Isaac last night after the Leap Day ceremony. He did not seem happy to see me, but I demanded to know if he was responsible for Harold's death. He told me how far he made it in the process with the help of you two. He didn't confirm anything, but I do believe he arranged for Harold's death, whether he did the deed himself or not. That's why we aren't talking to him, Carson said. He's dangerous, and we don't know what else he might be capable of. Yeah, Jesse agreed. I've been ignoring calls and messages from him for days now. He's gone crazy lately. Well, be that as it may, I was about to leave when he asked me if Margaret was his mother. I asked him where he heard that, and he refused to tell me. I bet it was Harold. He never liked me or Kelly much. Felt like we were unworthy for whatever reason. Your mother for being a woman, and both of us for not doing things the right way, or some other pile of rubbish. Anyway, I think he told Isaac who his mother was, and why he was going to stop him from taking the leap, and that's what made Isaac kill him. So you think Isaac might have taken my mom? Jesse asked, feeling her heart rate increase. I think he was mad and might have wanted answers or revenge. Jesse looked at Carson. He seemed to be processing all of this new information. So you want one of us to talk to him first and not the police? Jesse asked. I'm just worried that if he is innocent, other leapers and the police may not give him the chance to prove it. We can reach out to him, Jesse said, pulling out her phone. Carson, we should both text him. Right, maybe we can set up a meeting with him first thing in the morning if he doesn't answer. A knock on the door made everyone in the room quickly go silent. Hey, we got a ransom call. One of the beat cops assigned to Joseph and Gwendolyn's protection detail yelled through the door. Jesse, Carson, and Brandon all walked towards the door. As Jesse opened it, the man signaled for them to follow him. What did they want? 
Jesse asked as they fell in stride behind him. Money. It's almost always money. Did they say who they were? Carson asked. He used some sort of dumb alias. Seeker something. Order Seeker? Jesse asked, and she and Carson shared a look of concern. Yeah, that's the one. Well, you know about him. Lead from an old case, Carson said quickly. Let me grab my bag and we'll meet you down there in a minute. Jesse felt herself being pulled backwards by Carson. She and Brandon turned and looked at him. Dad, she and I have to go now. Go downstairs and stall as long as you can. Try and find out what Isaac demanded for a ransom. So it is Isaac, Brandon said, looking defeated. That was the code name he used when we met online. It's how we found each other. We were both seeking the mysterious order. I'll tell you more about it later. Jesse, we need to go right now. They sprinted out of the room, down the main staircase, and out of the front doors. Jesse jumped in the passenger seat of Carson's car, and together they sped down the driveway and through the gates of Beckham Manor. Do you think my mom's still alive? Jesse asked, feeling sick to her stomach. I think so, Carson answered, although he did not sound very certain. He held her hand and squeezed it tight. We'll find her, I promise. Margaret jolted awake. She had just had a horrific dream about being trapped in a room surrounded by television screens that only showed her back no matter which way she looked. Her head was foggy. Her nose and throat were still sore. She slowly realized that she did not know where she was. The room was pitch black. Every surface around her was smooth. She could not find a door or window. It was then that she realized where she was. It had not been a dream. She was still trapped in the nightmare torture chamber. As she got to her feet, the room came to life. Every television screen on the walls, ceiling, and floors turned on at random times, showing seemingly unrelated footage, some black and white, some color, sometimes only showing busy signals. Each screen would only stay on an image for a second before changing. Then, a horrific high-pitched ringing sound started blasting her ears. She curled in a ball, covering her ears and sobbing. After what felt like several grueling minutes, everything stopped. The screens and the sounds turned off. She carefully got back to her feet and noticed that as she did so, the televisions opposite her turned on, once again showing her from behind. I don't know what kind of sick perverted thing this is, but when I get out of here you will be damn sorry you messed with me. More television screens turned on as she paced around the room. Why are you showing me the back of my head? I need a haircut that bad? She chuckled to herself. If I'm gonna die, I might as well have a little bit of fun with it. She started pounding and kicking the glass. Hello? Anybody home? Why not give a girl some company? Let me see that handsome face of yours. Let's have a chat. I could go for some tea. Face me, coward. The smile was wiped from her face when she looked at the screens in front of her. It no longer showed just her back. She turned slowly to see a person in what appeared to be old leaper robes standing ominously in the center of the room. Hey there, hi. So you came to talk, huh? She said, trying to mask her fear. Why don't you lower that hood so we can talk face to face? She jumped back as the hooded figure seemed to grow several feet taller as it loomed over her. She screamed as she saw under the hood was a person's face with her own somehow projected on it. Your order seeker has found you guilty, a loud booming voice echoed around the chamber. Confess your sins and you shall be freed. Margaret started choking as the room started filling with gas. Her vision started going black until all she could see was her own horrified face looking back at her. 
Carson had barely put the car in park before Jesse hopped out and ran through the gates of the storage facility that Isaac called home. Isaac! She screamed as she ran towards the door she knew led to his secret apartment. Every unit in the complex had the garage door shut. If Isaac had taken her mom, he could be hiding her in any one of them. Isaac, let me in! She yelled as she pounded on his door. Hey, 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 whoa, let's take it easy for a second, Carson said as he pulled her away from the door. He has my mom! I will not take it easy! She yelled at him before ripping her hands free and pounding on the door again. Carson? Jesse? Jesse turned and saw Isaac walking towards them from the front of the complex. What's going on? I've been trying to get a hold of you guys for days. Without warning, Jesse pounced. She was seeing red as she tackled him to the ground and started wildly punching his face and body. Where is my mom? She yelled as she landed blow after blow. Jesse felt herself being pulled off of Isaac. Her arms were pinned to her sides. Let me go! Let me go! What the hell, Jesse? Isaac yelled as he quickly got to his feet. We know you have her! Let her go! Come on, man, Carson said as he struggled to hold her back. Just let us know where she is and we can maybe help you avoid too much legal trouble. Legal trouble? Have who? What are you two talking about? Jesse relaxed and she felt Carson let her go. She could still hear her heart beating in her ears as she caught her breath. My mother, who you kidnapped, Jesse said, not trying to hide the disgust in her voice as she entertained his ridiculous questions. Your mother? Jesse, what are you talking about? Isaac asked, looking confused. Jesse was confident he was feigning ignorance. It only made her angrier. The cops are coming, you know. They will not be as nice as we are when they drag your ass to prison. Isaac looked at Carson for help. She's telling the truth, he said. My dad was with the Beckhams when the ransom call came in. Well, our dad, I guess. Anyway, he told us that you found out Margaret was your mother, and the next day she goes missing, taken by a mysterious man calling himself Order Seeker. I mean, come on, man. You know this doesn't look good. You actually think I did this, don't you? Isaac said, sounding betrayed. We know you did it, Jesse corrected. If everybody knows I found out Margaret was my mother, why would I kidnap her? I get the motive, but that would be a stupid crime to commit. I obviously would be the first suspect. I would be caught right away. Do you really think I'm that stupid? I don't really know you, Carson said. I know you are smart, but you have a bit of an anger issue. Who knows what you are capable of in a fit of rage? You really don't trust me, do you? Isaac said, sounding angrier. I'm your brother. We work together on the Leaper's research. Does that all mean nothing? Jesse couldn't find any words to say that weren't an angry rehashing of prior points, so she simply stood with her arms crossed, shaking her head and glaring at Isaac. Carson, Isaac pleaded as he looked at him. Just tell us where you're keeping her, Carson said as he stood next to Jesse. Come back with a warrant then, Isaac said as he crossed his arms and stared him down. If you don't trust me, then you get to be like everybody else. No more friendship or family benefits for either of you. Jesse met Isaac's glare. She was so angry that she was starting to shake. We tried, Carson said as he put his arm around her. The cops will be here soon and we'll tear this place apart, but we can't be here when they show up. Jesse knew he was right. She and Carson would look extremely suspicious, especially after they unexpectedly disappeared from Beckham Manor after the ransom call. I'm coming back for you, Mom, she yelled as she pounded on the storage unit door one last time. We'll get you out of there, I promise. She and Carson quickly made their way back to his car and the two sped away. As he drove, Carson pulled out his phone and called his father. Hey, 
He wouldn't talk. Told us to come back with a warrant because we don't trust him. Jessie stared out the window at the run-down buildings as they passed. All she could think about was her mom, trapped somewhere, helpless, probably being tortured. All because Isaac found out she was his mother. She still couldn't quite believe that Isaac was truly her brother, but her anger at him outweighed her anger towards her mother for keeping the secret from her. They are getting a warrant pushed through, Carson said, snapping her back to reality. I guess having the chief of police and a federal judge as fellow leapers can really speed up the legal process. She nodded in acknowledgement, but continued to look out into the distance. We'll meet them at the units, he continued. Brandon is going to give us a call when they are headed over. We're going to tell everyone we had to deal with an emergency at my apartment, okay? Jesse nodded again. Carson reached over and set his hand on her leg. It's going to be okay, Jesse. This will all be over soon. We'll find your mom, Isaac will be arrested, and this whole nightmare will be behind us. Jesse looked at Carson with tears in her eyes as she took his hand in hers. I hope you're right. Hey, it's time to wake up. Jessie sleepily sat up. She must have fallen asleep on Carson's couch. How long was I asleep? She asked as she fixed her hair. Maybe 20 minutes, he said as he offered her a glass of water. I would have let you sleep more, but Brandon just called. They are headed to the storage units with a police escort, so they'll be there soon. Jessie nodded. Her brain was still in a post-nap fog as she put her shoes back on. Do you think Isaac will still be there? She asked. Maybe, Carson said as he picked up his keys from the coffee table. The police were surveilling the complex basically since the minute after we left. If he tries to move your mom, they will see it. Jessie was somewhat reassured by that. She hoped that she would be reunited with her mom soon. She had to be so scared. Let's get going then. The storage facility was swarming with police. More cruisers than she could count, all with their flashing red and blue lights casting shadows on the units around them. One by one, the officers were opening the unit doors, each one completely empty. Jessie led Carson through the crowds to her grandfather, Joseph. He was standing in front of Unit 48, next to the chief of police and Brandon James. It's the one across from that, she said once they were within earshot. Isaac converted the one across from it and three others into an apartment. We know we've been waiting on the second warrant to come through, the chief said as they stood in front of him. We just got the go-ahead for Isaac's personal residence a minute ago, so you two have perfect timing. She watched as armed officers surrounded the door to Isaac's modified units. It looks like a bunch of junk inside, but it's hiding a secret door leading to the other units, she said as she watched nervously. She realized she was holding Carson's hand extremely tight. She let out a breath she realized she had been holding, and impatiently fidgeted with her jacket sleeve. She watched as the leader counted down, and the garage door was flung open, and the armed police burst in. Clear! One of the men shouted. Jesse was confused as the men started exiting the unit. Clear? What do they mean, clear? She walked over to the door of the unit and screamed. No! The unit looked just like all of the others completely cleared out like nothing had ever been there before. Even the wall she knew she had walked through was fully intact. The remaining units were cleared one by one. Jesse and Carson inspected the four that Isaac had made into his home. The only evidence that something had been there before was two scratches on the cement floor where the spiral staircase had been. No, 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 she said as she paced around the empty unit with her hands on her head. It'll be okay, Jesse. We will find her. Carson said as he tried to give her a hug. You don't know that! She yelled in his face as she pushed him aside. 
She walked outside and slumped onto the ground with her back against the doorframe. You're right, Carson said as he sat down next to her. But we can't give up hope. I believe everything will be okay. You've just got to believe we'll find her too. He wrapped his arm around her and she laid her head on his shoulder. I'm sorry I yelled at you, she said as she hugged his side. It's okay, he said as he kissed the top of her head. The two sat in silence until Brandon ran over to them looking frantic. Jesse, there you are. Thank God you're okay. What do you mean? Jesse asked, startled and confused by the sudden outburst. Joseph just got a call from Nigel. Gwendolyn was taken. What? Jesse and Carson exclaimed in unison. He said that he was bringing Gwendolyn her afternoon tea. He saw a man wearing black robe standing over her as she screamed. He tried to stop him, but he was overpowered and knocked unconscious. He called as soon as he came to. Oh my god, Jesse said as tears started streaming down her face. Nigel can't catch a break, Carson said as he held her. We need to get you and your grandfather back to the manor with police detail, Brandon said. Carson, make sure they are safe before you leave. I need to take care of something, but I will head to the manor and help as soon as I can. Maybe Miss Jessie will let me watch with her. Make me proud, son. He set his hands on their shoulders and looked at each of them with a caring look in his eyes before quickly turning and running back towards the cars on the street. I'm staying with you tonight, Carson said as he helped Jessie to her feet. I'm not letting you out of my sight. She hugged him and buried her face in his chest. Thank you, she said as she wiped her eyes. But you can't. You have the news show tonight. In all the chaos, she had almost forgotten that Carson had one of the biggest nights of his career coming up. If Brandon had not reminded her, she may have forgotten completely. They were supposed to celebrate this afternoon for lunch, but she couldn't even think about food. I'll cancel, he said. Easy decision. No, she objected. You have to do this. Just come over as soon as it's done. You sure? he asked as they started walking towards Joseph and the police cars. She kissed him on the cheek. I'll be okay for a few hours. Besides, we will have as many police officers as Grandfather wants in and around the manor. I'd like to see somebody try and get past all of them. Okay, Carson said, sounding uneasy. She kissed him before they sat in the back seat of the cruiser behind her grandfather. She was nervous, but she didn't want Carson to miss out on this awesome opportunity. More than that, she knew he only had this opportunity because fellow leapers were pulling the strings. They had a plan for him, and if you get in the way of the plan, they remove you, just like the former anchor had. I'll be okay tonight, she thought to herself. I hope. Margaret awoke with a jolt. She was gasping for breath. She looked around at her dark surroundings. To her surprise, the room looked different. Originally, the walls, ceiling, and floors were all made up of television screens closely spaced together behind thick panes of glass. Now, the walls and floors were clearly made of cement. The walls and ceiling had noticeably fewer television screens on them, and the floors had none at all. Have I been moved? She thought to herself as she felt around the walls for a door. As she reached between television screens on the closest wall of the square room, they all turned on in unison. She was startled and stepped back. As expected, she saw her own back again, and tensed up at the thought of the hooded figure with her face standing behind her. She wildly flung her arms around, but there was nobody in the room with her. She looked closer at the television screens and realized that the person she was seeing was not her. Is that my grandmother? She asked out loud as she moved closer to the screens for a better look. She watched as Gwendolyn looked around the small cement room. She was sitting on the floor and appeared to be calling out for help. Margaret yelled, hoping she could hear her, but she knew it was of no use. 
The screens went fuzzy for a split second, then Margaret looked on helplessly as the hooded figure stood over Gwendolyn. No! Margaret yelled as she pounded on the screen in front of her. Her grandmother looked terrified, and she could do nothing about it. She wiped tears from her eyes and looked back at the screen to see the hooded figure staring straight at her through Gwendolyn's terrified face. Although she could not see it, she knew whoever was under that mask was smirking at her. She felt anger and hatred flowing through her veins before the screens went black, leaving her in darkness once more. Jessie and her grandfather were awkwardly sitting in the study. Neither of them had touched the tea that Nigel had brought them nearly an hour earlier. Something about her mother and great-grandmother being kidnapped did not put her in the mood for relaxing and eating or drinking. On top of that, there were at least six police officers inside the manor with them and even more outside. She knew they were there to protect her, but for some reason their presence made her feel less safe. Growing up, she and her grandfather never had the best relationship, so being stuck at home with him just felt extremely awkward. She knew he was just as anxious and scared as she was, but he was a man, and therefore incapable of showing any kind of emotions. She had checked in on him when they had first arrived at the manor, but he dismissed her, saying he couldn't be bothered with emotions, and suggested she pushes hers down too, or she would have one of her emotional outbursts, a phrase he had used frequently that she had grown to despise. She felt horrible, but she was somewhat relieved when the phone rang with what was likely a ransom call. Everybody took action immediately. Equipment that would be used to triangulate the signal was activated, recording technology was turned on, and the unit leader sat next to Joseph to coach him through the call. Go ahead and answer, Mr. Beckham, said the chief. We'll be able to hear everything. Hello. Jessie could hear a hint of fear in her grandfather's voice. The voice on the other end of the call was being disguised. It sounded like five people talking all at once into a voice changer. Joseph Beckham. Your order seeker has found you guilty, guilty once again. again. By now you know I have another member of your family. You did not follow your orders. You have until midnight to complete the instructions left with your father. Failure to do so will result in further pain for those you say you love. Do not disappoint them. The dial tone signaled the end of the call. Joseph sat back in his chair, looking stressed. What instructions? Jesse asked as she walked up to the desk. He is blackmailing me, Jessica. How much does he want? It's not about what he wants. It's about what he knows that he shouldn't, Joseph said as he poured himself a glass of whiskey. Explain, Jesse demanded. This doesn't involve you, Jessica. It does involve me. How can you say that? I am responsible for this family. It's my family, too. Jesse glared at her grandfather. He was dismissing her again. It was her mother and great-grandmother who were taken. I am just as much a part of this family as you are, she yelled. She was so furious that she didn't even care what the police officers in the room thought. You have never treated me as like part of this family. My mother has been kidnapped. So is mine. Jessie recoiled. Her grandfather had yelled at her before, but not like this. He looked scared. He looked like how she felt. Angry, scared, confused, and worried. I'm sorry, she said as she walked around the desk and set her hand on his shoulder. We shouldn't be fighting. We should be working together to rescue Mom and Gigi. He reached up and patted her hand with his. You're right. For years, I've done what was necessary to protect my father's legacy and my own. I've had to make some decisions that I didn't want any of you girls to know about. They weren't always for the right reasons. Tell me, Jesse said as she sat in front of him. 
I'm a Beckham. I'm going to carry on that same legacy. Let me help you figure this out. For the next half hour, Jessie listened to her grandfather tell her all of the order seeker's demands and about his secret offshore bank accounts. So you have those cliche offshore bank accounts through shell corporations that you own? As you know, we have a lot of investments. I'm not judging, Jessie said. Just tell me everything he wants. I'm supposed to funnel all of my offshore accounts into a new company that's likely a front. I have some people looking into the shell corps that own the larger entity, but I'm running out of time. So you'll give away all of your illegally obtained money to somebody else wanting to illegally obtain it? It's not just about that. This man has access to all of our secrets. We need to control the damage. If we aren't careful, this one man can have us all arrested or living on the streets. Then let's not let that happen. We can't give in to this man's demands. We just have to trust the police and our other resources to find them. Until then, we do nothing. Do nothing! Jessie exclaimed as she stood up. You can't be serious. Sit down, Jessica. We are still talking. Can't you see this man is targeting the women in this family to force my hand? I have to protect you or you will be taken too. We have to do something, she yelled as she stormed out past the police. Get back here this instant. Jessie tried to hold back tears as she ran up the staircase to her room. At the top of the stairs, she almost ran into Nigel and what looked like her uncle Wentz. Apologies, Miss Jessie, Nigel said as he stepped out of her way. Hey, slow down there, kiddo, she heard Wentzler say as she ran past them and slammed the door of her room behind her. Jessie was crying on her bed. She wanted to talk to Carson, but she knew he would be getting ready for his news anchor debut. There was a knock on her door. Jessie, can I come in? It was her uncle Wentz. Jessie quickly wiped the tears from her eyes as she walked to the doors and let him in. She sniffled as she sat back down on her bed. I heard you and Joseph's argument, he said as he sat next to her. I understand his concerns, but I am a lot more like you. I want to be out there trying to turn over every stone to find them too. He put his arm around her shoulder. But he is right to want to protect you. You and your mother have always meant so much to me, especially you. I have always tried to protect you. You know I would never do anything to hurt you, right? I know, Jessie said as she leaned her head on his shoulder. She wasn't sure why he was trying to reassure her, but she always felt safe when he was around. She was startled when her phone started vibrating on her bedside table behind her, where she had plugged it into charge. She reached over and dismissed the calendar appointment she had made for herself, titled Carson's Anchor Debut. Do you want to watch Carson's show with me? She asked. Take our minds off things for a little bit. I should. I have been invested in his life for so long. It almost feels weird not pulling the strings that got him to this point. Jessie smiled at him as she grabbed her television remote and changed the channel. Hey, have you seen Brandon? She asked. He said he was going to come to the house after running some sort of errand, but I haven't seen him. I figured we would watch together. I haven't. If he said he would be here, I'm sure he will be. Oh, look at that. It's starting. The National Nightly News logo disappeared, revealing Carson sitting to the left of the usual anchor. Good evening. This is your National Nightly News. I'm Bridget Hauser. And I'm Carson James. Jessie watched proudly as her Carson presented story after story. She could tell he was nervous, but the longer the show went, the more comfortable he looked. 
His first interview was with fellow Leap class member Everett Gardner. He was being interviewed because of his new vision for Gardner Industries, specifically involving the surrounding community, and teased that his company was buying out a large competitor. Jesse thought some of the initiatives sounded pretty cool. She made a mental note to congratulate Everett the next time she saw him. Unexpectedly, a police officer burst through a bedroom door and darted across the room to the windows. What the hell? she exclaimed. The man held up a hand to shush her. He pulled his pistol out of his holster and slowly turned his head to look out of the window. Excuse me, sir, Wensler said as he stood up and approached the man. What is the meaning of this? A man in black robes is approaching the house, he said as he gripped his gun hard. What? Jesse exclaimed as she stood up and attempted to look out of the window next to him. Get back, the man said as he shoved her backwards. Jesse, stay here, Wensler said as he walked towards the door. I will go see what's going on downstairs. She watched her Uncle Wentz dart out of the door, leaving her alone with the man and his gun. Can you at least tell me what's happening? She asked. This guy just appeared out of nowhere and has been slowly walking towards the house from the gardens. He has almost reached the driveway now. Please, can I peek? She asked. The man did not reply. I'll be really quick. I just want to see it. Fine, but only for a second. Crawl over to my feet and wait until I tell you to look. Jessie's heart was racing as she made her way towards him on her hands and knees. She glanced at her television and saw that Carson was still interviewing Everett. She would have to have asked him how it went later. Carson won't be happy that he wasn't here to protect her, but she still felt safe for now. She positioned herself just under the windowsill and looked up at the man, waiting for his signal. Very, very slowly, move your head until you can see, but not an inch more. Once you've seen him, get back down immediately. Understood? Jessie nodded. She did as she was told. Her eyes passed the ledge, and she saw it. A person in a black hooded robe, ominously standing at the edge of the driveway. She could not make out any of the features of the person underneath. As she studied the strange figure, he suddenly looked up directly at her window. Get down! The man said as he shoved her shoulder downward. Jessie frantically crawled back to her bed. She wasn't sure if the person had seen her. She wasn't sure if she saw a face under the hood, but she was terrified. As she sat back down, all of the power went out. Get under your bed right now, the man ordered. Jessie did not argue. She crawled under her bed as she heard someone yell downstairs. Other voices started to talk over each other on the man's walkie. She heard something about smoke downstairs and the hooded man inside the house. Do not move, the man whispered. With the moonlight shining through the windows, she watched him quietly leave her room and shut the door behind him. Jessie closed her eyes and tried to quiet her breathing. She did not hear anything coming from downstairs. She wanted to know what was going on. She thought about crawling out from under her bed and sneaking downstairs, but ultimately decided against it. She wished Carson was here. Several minutes passed. Jessie was becoming more anxious. She had no idea if it was safe to come out or not. More time passed. She lost track of how long she had been under the bed. When she was growing up, she developed a good ear for people walking towards her room. The unmistakable sounds of an adult walking down the hallway made her heart start to race. She covered her mouth with her arm as the doorknob started turning slowly. Was it her Uncle Wentz? Was it the policeman? Was it Isaac, a.k.a. Order Seeker? She was terrified of being captured. She imagined never being able to see Carson or her family again and felt tears swell in her eyes. 
The door creaked open. Thick black boots under a black robe stepped inside her room. She knew she had nothing to protect herself with. He walked towards her closet on the opposite wall. She knew that after he checked there, he would look under her bed next. She would have to make a move. She watched his back as she inched towards the edge of the bed. He flung the closet doors open and she ran. She knew she had been seen, but she hoped that she knew the house better than he did. She ran as fast as she could towards the back staircase. If she could find a cop, she would be protected. She carefully descended the stairs in the dim moonlight coming through the small windows. She was breathing heavily and trying not to trip. When she reached the kitchens, she didn't see anybody, not a soul in sight. Maybe everyone was protecting her grandfather in the study. She grabbed a large knife and a rolling pin, then tiptoed into the dark hallway that led to the study. She couldn't tell if anybody was inside or not. They are probably in the meeting room, she thought to herself. It would make sense to put the fake bookshelf wall between the intruder and Joseph. She heard footsteps behind her getting closer. She decided to tiptoe faster. Staying alive was more important than staying quiet. She reached for the doors of the study and then let out an involuntary scream as she felt herself being lifted in the air and dragged backwards. She dropped her knife and rolling pin. A thick gloved hand covered her mouth. She tried biting, kicking, and swinging her arms, but nothing was working. Not her! She heard Uncle Wentz yell from behind them. She felt the man behind her being tackled into the wall. Run, Jesse! Run! She looked back and saw two dark figures wrestling on the ground. She bolted for the back doors. Where are all the cops? She flung the doors open and sprinted into the dewy grass outside. The moon peeking through the clouds was her only source of light. She looked back at the house and saw the hooded figure standing ominously on the back porch. She knew she could lose anybody following her in the woods. It would hurt being barefoot, but she needed to stay alive. She may have to find her whole family now. Margaret did not know how long it had been since she was first taken. She felt like it had been over two days, but it could have been much longer. She had called out for her grandmother, but heard nothing in return. When she saw Gwendolyn on the screens, she thought the room looked like the one she was in now. Stone walls with some television screens and the terrifying hooded figure who mysteriously showed up occasionally. She was certain the man in the hood was responsible for this, but she could not figure out what he wanted. Her guess was somebody was blackmailing her father and torturing her and her grandmother just for fun. She could take it, but she hoped that Gwendolyn was okay. She was a strong woman, one of the strongest she had ever known, but she did not know how long she could last in these conditions. The television screens turned on with their new randomized fanfare. She expected to see Gwendolyn once more, then be threatened to confess her sins by the so-called Order Seeker once more, but this time it was different. The room was the same, but the order seeker was standing in the middle of the room with his back to the cameras. It was still a bit unsettling to see him, even though Margaret had seen him multiple times before. Why are you just standing there? She thought to herself. Where's Gwendolyn? The hooded figure slowly turned around and revealed her father, Joseph's, face on his mask. Does that mean he has her father too? What is his play? Why show her? Why now? The screens went black, then showed the same words over and over in different fonts and colors. You have your orders. She felt the presence of the man in the hood behind her. She turned and faced him. The screen under the hood showed her father's face. Read this, he said in his disguised voice. 
The face was replaced with teleprompter-style words. She glared at him, but did as she was told. Joseph Beckham, you have ignored your orders for too long. Welcome to your new hell. The fall from grace for the once great house of Beckham has begun. You brought this upon yourself. Pray your granddaughter does not resent you all too much to save you. Pray she values your family's safety over your selfish wealth. The lights inside the cell went black. Margaret could tell she was alone again. She had been worried about Jessie since she was taken, but now she knew all of their fates laid in her hands. Be strong, Jessie. We'll be okay. Jessie was sure her feet were hurting, but she couldn't feel anything. Her whole body was numb. Her face and chest were on fire. She was not sure how long she had been running. She was not sure if she was being followed or not, but she couldn't risk it. A road emerged in front of her. Maybe she could flag down a car and use their phone to call for help. She had left the house so quickly that she had not grabbed her phone. She was barefoot and freezing. She needed to get help fast. She headed down the road in the direction she thought the city was. A few cars flew past her without stopping. She was beginning to feel dejected, and finally a car did stop for her. Jessie? She looked up and saw Brandon James step out from behind the wheel and run towards her. What are you doing way out here? Why aren't you wearing shoes? What happened? She broke down in tears. Hey, hey, it's okay, he said, putting his arm around her. Come on, let's get you somewhere safe. She sat down in the passenger seat and put on her seatbelt. Brandon sat next to her and turned the car around. Where are we going? she asked. I'm taking you somewhere I know you will be safe, he said as he sped down the dark winding road. I was going to the house to get you anyway. There's something you and Carson need to hear. To be continued. 